It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where a Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. It is time for Faith and Life to connect on Rise FM and on the podcast network at risefmohio.com. I'm Scott. He's Tom. Mm. This is the session. So we're off and running with the month of June being National PTSD Awareness Month. We kind of thought it would be appropriate to do a show on PTSD to help raise awareness and kind of give you some information that can be helpful to you today. And to know, you know, my first thought about PTSD, Tom, is that it's all about the military. And it's really not. That's right. It's not. And we're going to dive into all of that here in just a minute. First, we, as we always do, we want to turn to God's Word. And Scott, out of Isaiah 41.10, the scriptures read, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's great to remember that God is with us and yes. he will strengthen us in, in all situations. Mm-hmm. Not take us around situations, but he'll guide us through them. Yes, right. June is PTSD Awareness Month, so let's start, Tom, by uh, defining what exactly is PTSD. PTSD it stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. It's a psychiatric disorder or condition that may occur in people who have experienced or witnessed a traumatic event, such as things like a natural disaster, a serious accident, a terrorist attack, war combat, gas prices at the gas station. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. boy. Yeah, you had to go there. I figured as much. Yeah. Yeah. Or rape is an example. They've been threatened with death or sexual violence or serious injury. That leaves an imprint in the mind. You know, I've been robbed at gunpoint twice. Wow. And it left a definite impression, and it took some time for me to work through that. Mm-hmm. Funny thing was, it was not until I forgave them, mm-hmm. when I made that conscious decision to forgive, the nightmare stopped. How about so, that? And that was, that's by the grace of God that that Hallelujah. happened. So what does PTSD do to a person? We've lifted off, listed off the things that can right. cause it. So what, what does it do to us? Well, people with PTSD have intense, disturbing thoughts and feelings related to their experience that last long after the traumatic event has ended. We're not even necessarily saying hours or days, we're talking months and even years. They may relive the event through flashbacks or nightmares because in the unconscious mind, it's still there stewing. And I've often said that emotions are energy. Well, that energy surfaces, it gains more energy, and then you end up experiencing a nightmare or a daymare that can be very difficult. So these people may feel sadness, fear, or anger, and they feel detached or estranged from other people. So this can definitely impact relationships. Yeah. 
because mm-hmm. that person basically is it safe to say they just shut down yeah yeah they in, do in the most extreme conditions mm-hmm. they just shut down and push everything out I, yeah and, and and i think a good word for it is numb you have a traumatic events event and you try not to think about it long enough you become numb and so you are shut down so yeah. it's better so the response to the trauma is to shut the trauma out and the only way to do that is to shut your emotions down uh, yeah like trying to sit on a beach ball in the water not going to go very well you might be able to hold down for a couple seconds hey, right and then boom. it's going to shoot right back up and, and that's the energy in it rising to the surface is great picture of what happens in our minds yeah now i know there are things too as we look at this tom that there are triggers things that can trigger that it, it may be a controlled thing in you but then a trigger happens and i you know i think of the veteran and fourth of july fireworks you know someone that's been subjected to an artillery barrage is going to see fireworks totally differently than we do that's true and and our son who was in iraq who was in the marines that happened to him and when he came back and we wanted to celebrate that he was with us again and mom is a a really avid fourth of july fan really likes to see the fireworks so she wanted to get as many of the children available that could go at the time and he was in town it seemed for the first two or three years he was home, he always had something else going on on 4th of July mm-hmm. until we, we figured out and he was able to share with us, oh yeah, that was that's just way too hard for me. Very difficult. So he, he, he wouldn't. So it, it precedes a life-threatening event. You have the, the, the reminders are, are like the, the triggers that go off and you begin to feel it. Th- this is really interesting. What they experience when they have that nightmare, day mirror, or the flashback it's like an, an internal movie of what took place. Well, if we have the memory attached to those memories are the feelings associated with it. So the mind's like, I don't want to feel those intense feelings again. So that's why they shut down. Yeah. Now, when it comes to, to therapy, and we're probably, I'm probably jumping way ahead here, but you can. when it comes to being in session with somebody suffering from PTSD, where's the starting point? Right. With them in, in session. I always believe that what we want our clients, some call them patients, to feel in our presence is safe. We have to develop uh, safety. And there's a Rogerian theory. A what and who It's Rogerian theory was about developing the relationship with the patient and, and the counselor, that that relationship should develop to a point where it's safe. Well, when they reach that point, they're more likely to be able to go there. And, you know, I was was one this week that was talking about even different nationalities now, different ethnic groups, trigger him because he saw them in battle and it, it, it would trigger him. So we've been able to talk through it and... What's really interesting is there's a shocked inner person in him that is being protected because it doesn't want to experience that pain again. Well, when he began to identify with that person on the inside and thought about treating him the way he wanted to be treated in life growing up. One example, there's been a lot of examples that one 
probably more recent, but it was still months ago that 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 one took place. Anyway, good things there. He was able to talk about it. He was being able to talk out of it. Right. Now, how, how do you do that with kids? That's a great question. They are different. Also, it depends, for one, on how old they are. Oh, yeah, now that would make sense. If they're really young, and typically what we're talking about there would be sexual abuse. And so sexual abuse will certainly create PTSD in the child. Well, play therapy has the potential because of the activities that they do to begin to help the child express it, but they're not necessarily using their words. They might be expressing it in play. How they play house, as an example, or if they were coloring something, how they would color them. And in their minds, if dad was the abuser, dad's really big in the picture that they color. And mom's this wee itty bitty thing next to her, and then an even smaller next is maybe the victim. You know, it's just those kinds of dynamics show up in play therapy. So that's why when you have those situations with kids, you know, we see play therapy and, oh, like, yeah, right, you're going to have them play with Legos and it's gonna, you're going to fix yeah. them. Yeah, that's not necessarily what we're talking about, but anything that works, you know, coloring, playing mm-hmm. with a toy, playing with a Barbie doll, yeah, any kind of that stuff. So that's why you're, I've, I've heard you talk about uh, having a need for counselors with play therapy being one of the things you one of the traits you want them to have. And exactly. And believe it or not, in one of our offices, we are very open to bringing on another. There's such a need for play therapy. We need another play therapist. Wow. Okay. And so but let's say it was a teenager that was had experienced PTSD. There's another part of that that becomes really important. We also have to treat some of the symptoms, byproducts, outcomes of that PTSD, where if depression, as an example, is beginning to be present, they're likely to do self-harm. They might cut themselves. So consequently, we want to be on guard with that. Well, going further then, adolescents aren't always excited about being in our office. (laughs) Gee, Tom, (laughs) why? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, I think the record in my career was when mom literally had to pry the fingers off of her son to get him into our office. Wow. And praise the Lord, that had a really good outcome. And to a point where years later, he would want me to let me know what was going on in his life. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. But anyway, those are some of the important things for adolescents. Okay. We may think, well, kids heal up quick, they'll get over it. Well, with a, with a PTSD kind of situation, that can fast forward to married life. You know, let's just kind of focus on that for a second because we talk about the family so much. The child that is abused physically or sexually, and they don't get treatment for that, they go into married life, That can their, their whole physical relationship with their spouse can be a total mess. Exactly. And, and that surfaces there, and they end up coming in and – that's a very real possibility. You have to be able to begin to face it. And, and oftentimes the good thing is when they connect the dots, that the current here and now issues with their physical relationship is really connected to what happened. Without being too graphic, there's specific things in the here and now that they might think in the physical relationship would be good, but you, they try something and boom, it triggers this past memory. Mm-hmm. Well, when they're going to treat, treat those past memories, 
now they they are more free and able. But what's interesting also about it is, and, and I heard this described to me early in my career, we talked about how it's like God has created an insulation around that pain in their minds. Part of their minds are set aside and protected by this insulation where nothing can penetrate it, but that pain is still registering inside of it. So when things feel safer in other areas in their life, life is better all except so they're feeling safer outside of the abuse issue, they're more likely and apt to begin to have the resources to uh, address the trauma. So we're talking about PTSD today on the session, and it is definitely for more than the military. Uh, right. You know, we so often associate it with only with the military, kind of like with your son. What are some of the signs and signals that we should look for to know that maybe somebody is dealing with some PTSD or some kind of a traumatic stress issue? Well, for one, it can leave people on the edge, as an example. They're very edgy. They're, they might be looking out the window. They could be hypervigilant about wanting to know if somebody's coming up. Well, when they were in combat, you had to look out and you know you had to have somebody watching what was coming. So it, it, it would be the hypervigilant is, is like they're, they're so intense about what's going on outside and are we okay that it, it comes across to other people like what's, what's going on here. It, so that, that's a great example. It boils down to is the person, does he feel very anxious? Does that person feel more anxious than what's normal? If it's over the top with, with anxiety, one way to look at it is we like to term dis-ease in the clinical world. The medical community looks at it as disease. Our disease is a state of dis-ease. The patient's not in a state of ease. They're not comfortable. They're not comfortable in their own skin. Uh, maybe a, a good descriptor here would be that they appear for no reason to be agitated. And I think you alluded to it earlier, depression is one something that can come up really easily as an expression of this. Right. Changes in their mood, their thinking. And that's important, too, because when their thinking goes different or their, their mood changes, what we don't know is some of the things that the, that the military individual was told when they were being trained or they were going out on this mission. I mean, just for an example, and you can't tell anybody about this. This is top secret. Nobody, had, well, you know, the Marines, from what, what I perceive and what my son has told me, they have such a, a love and dedication to the fellow Marine. And, and you know, I've, I've in my career been able to say to uh, some of the soldiers that, I, that I've treated with PTSD, what if one of your fellow soldiers was, you know, 25 feet away from you and it looked like he was dying? That without batting an eye, they'd say, I'm going to go help him. You know, their life is a danger, but they're going to go rescue him. Mm -hmm. So because of that, then it's the whole thought of, what if you took that same attitude toward healing and helping yourself? 
And sometimes they, they really can begin to wrap their mind around that. They're going to save their fellow soldier, but what about what's going on inside of them? Changing the thinking then and their mood becomes very important. When they hear, don't tell anybody. I have literally had people who have held on to secrets like that. And, and the stories that they told me, you know, we're talking about not, not the typical soldier. could be a, a child. It could be a mother that's holding a gun or a bomb, and it's like either you or me. And they're forced to. So no wonder there's trauma there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, The dad that's abusing the child, this is our little playtime. This is our little yeah. secret now. Don't tell mommy. Yeah, yeah. And that the kid bottles that up and bottles that up, and eventually it's going to Vesuvius all over somebody. That's right. Yep. yep. So what are some, I know you have here something from the National Center for PTSD. Uh, Eight million Americans have PTSD during any given year. Right. That's a big number. It sure is. They're all buying gas. They're all, well, that number's a lot bigger. <laughs> now, is there a difference? Does does PTSD affect men more than women? Is there any data you've seen that might do something with that? Well, well, the signs of PTSD in women don't differ greatly from the signs of PTSD in men. However, they're just different origins. And, and what triggers them, I think more women, PTSD, uh, historically was more about abuse. And historically, men were, it, it originated in the military. That's why the, it has such a strong context when you talk about it in the military. It was known as military fatigue. Mm-hmm. Shell shock. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and it was just the thought of being in combat. Well, when you dig in a little bit more and you think about some of the the things, our son didn't want to watch the 4th of July fireworks because he was a cannon cocker. Well, I heard just one go off once. I mean, he had it videotaped or something, and it scared the living bejeebers out of me, just one. Well, how about a whole storm of it hitting in the sky? Mm -hmm. He, He said... He was 27 miles away when he's shooting these cannons at the enemy. And his mom's like, well, that's good. You're 27 miles away from the action. And he said, yeah, but they have cannons too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so they would be going off and they, they would be scary. He told me about a time when he was in the desert and he was outside of their compound and all of a sudden you saw the sand shooting up and smoke and he thought those are bullets Mm -hmm. that means somebody's shooting at me (laughs) (laughs) and so he had to uh head for cover and that individual didn't life didn't turn out very well for him right yeah so so you mentioned here tom uh, something called prolonged exposure therapy. Unpack that for us. Prolonged uh, exposure is a typical cognitive behavioral therapy, oftentimes called CBT. It's the relationship between what you think, what you do, together you can think about your behavior. Your behavior can impact your thinking. And you can actually heal based on some of the behaviors that you would do Exercise, as an example, is it, it can help depression. Well, I have, first have to make the decision to exercise, 
And when I don't, I'm even more depressed because I don't care whether I exercise or not. So, I mean, that's the cognitive behavioral connection. Well, so prolonged exposure is a, uh, a type of cognitive behavioral therapy which helps people with the trauma process single or multiple trauma or conscious trauma and reduce the symptoms by basically taking the time and making it safe enough where they would go to that feeling and they would experience it. There's that energy coming out for the Christian bringing it to the light where Jesus is so we can find healing for it. So this technique is often uh, useful for decreasing depression, anger, and general anxiety. A good example, maybe that relates to it, historically, the research talked about anxiety and treating anxiety is keeping inside and finding ways to ignore it, basically. More current research, as I understand it, on anxiety is more about bringing it to the light. And we're draining that energy, number one. And then we're finding new and different ways to cope with it, which impacts, and CBT again, their thinking can be different. Interestingly, I was doing some research on the way home. Last weekend, Kathy and I picked up a golden retriever puppy for our daughter. Oh, boy. And she came up from uh, from Austin, and we met in Memphis, and we took it to, uh, met her in Memphis. So driving home, I had driven all the way down and then all back to, I want to say right around maybe Knoxville. And Kathy's like, you know what? I can drive if you want me to and you want to take a break, I will. I said, well, and I'm thinking, here's an opportunity I can get some more riding done. Well, I had really been thinking about strongholds and diving deeper into it. So while she's driving, I'm reading and, and researching on my phone and on on the whole idea of strongholds. And, and I find this Christian article that's talking about a mindset, a, a stronghold for anxiety of how is I cope with life with, well, what am I going to do about that? And what about this if that happens? And how am I going to handle that? And, you know, I'm reading this. I'm getting more anxious just reading what, what this person's saying. But the article is coming out and saying that is a form of a stronghold that we want, and is what Paul said, to take captive those thoughts. Well, we take captive how we manage our anxiety, and we do it differently. And if you want, there was a really funny story to me coming oh, back, boy. which basically I, I think we could find, if it, much more of it had gone on, PTSD would have really been there for me. <laughs> so as I'm doing the research all of a sudden, our daughter texts me. Well, Kathy's driving. So I said to her, honey, this is what she said. What should I say? So I'm facilitating. i about halfway done, and I'm about to send it to, to Mandy. Grandma texts Kathy. All right, honey, this is what your mom said. What do I say? And so I'm, and before I'm done with mom, Mandy answers. And this is going on and on and on. And it occurs to me, I am facilitating communication with three generations of women at the same time. <laughs> and that's enough to cause PTSD in and of itself. Uh, that's why I said. <laughs> that's, 
I had something like that going on the other day, too. I was getting emails from Angie. I was getting texts from my daughter, a text from my wife. Uh-huh. And I'm going, I'll answer this one, then I'd answer this one, then I get, and then, oh, I, um. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I finally got up and took a walk. And then on top of that, yes. <laughs> my, and then Kathy said, and do you realize you were facilitating that over two conversations at once? <laughs> With three generations of women? <laughs> Holy mackerel, now that could create PTSD inside a marriage. <laughs> All right, so Tom, as we put a little wrap on this yes. today, PTSD is, some, is something that is serious. It, it affects over 8 million of us a year, so it is something, that, and you're seeing it in, in therapy now. In fact, you know, I remember you saying you had a need for another therapist that knew play therapy to deal yeah. with kids. That's so, right. You know, it's something to pray for for Tom. And for you today, as you're listening, you find that, you know, some of this makes sense, that maybe you've had a traumatic issue. Maybe you've, like me, you were robbed at gunpoint a couple of times. You never really dealt right. with it. Right, yeah. Maybe you were in the military and you find that there are some things that you haven't let go of since you came home. You know, maybe there was some other issue. Sitting down with a Christian counselor to get that issue out in the light where Jesus is can be very beneficial for you. And uh, starting a conversation with Tom is the best way to get that started. So how can they start a conversation with you? Well, and Scott, I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. 